If you're Notre Dame, you got to be alert for a run here as the last play of the game. Give it to him. Trainer up the middle. He's in. Touchdown, Ohio State. They walk it off at Notre Dame Stadium. That hurt. That wouldn't hurt, guys. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, welcome back, everybody. We know ball podcast. My name is Ryan. Episode 64. September 25th, 2023. That was the audio call on the what basically ended up being the walk off touchdown. By Ohio State. Over Notre Dame. On Saturday night. A matchup of top 10 teams, Ohio State eventually besting Notre Dame. And I say eventually because that announcer says like they walked it off. They look back, they put a second on the clock, and they ran one other meaningful play, and then that was it. But basically, 17 to 14, number six, Ohio State takes down number 19, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, as they like to say. Um, and yeah, that was, I think so far this sporting weekend. And I say so far because today is Monday and there are two Monday night football games on this evening. But so far, those were the, uh, that was probably the, the best moment, I would say, of the sporting weekend with the college football and NFL slate. Uh, but there's been some good, good moments. We're going to look through here, uh, the NFL schedule, we're going to go over the college football slate, talk about it, go through it, the top talking points of the weekend. Like I said, 63rd, 64th episode of the We Know Ball podcast, and we're trying to pump these out every Monday. And we've ran into some problems in the past with that. What I mean by problems, first week of the NFL season, I come on here on Monday before the Monday Night Football game, Bills and Jets, and I'm talking about the NFL slate. Oh, and this and that, and it's great. Barring anything crazy in tonight's Monday Night Football game, this is where the NFL will be, blah, blah, blah. Aaron Rodgers tears his Achilles. <laughs> Last week, same situation or similar. I'm like, wow, there's a Monday Night Football game on tonight. There's a couple games, actually. 
and you know i know it jinxed aaron Rodgers the week before but i don't know and tonight and we'll see but and nick chubb season ending like every monday night there seems to be just some gruesome uh situation gruesome injuries they happen i get it but we're not going to even address we're, we'll talk about what the matchups are tonight briefly but we will also put this out in the realm of the universe we hope there are no injuries tonight we hope and pray please football gods whoever is in charge of our ultimate destiny please keep these guys healthy so we have more fun things to talk about especially because there are some good matchups and fun teams playing tonight on Monday Night Football and we'll get there but first college football right so week four of the college football slate was an interesting one there were some really good games and matchups and there were some snoozers we'll go through the top 25 excluding any potential just garbage you know we'll skim over the ones that are worthless and a good example is starting at the top with number one georgia taking on the university of alabama birmingham (laughs) university of alabama birmingham oh and by the way before we get into the college football slate if i sound congested if i sound stuffed if i sound clogged up in the uh nose and mouth area it's because i am went to some family gatherings this weekend didn't realize there was a cat at the house or the presence of a cat cat hair etc i i had never known i had a cat allergy i didn't know and i guess maybe i don't maybe it's just like the overall presence of of the the air around in the house was made up of like 30 percent fucking cat hair or something because i since saturday have been struggling to just get a real nice clean nasal passageway and boy let me tell you does it piss me off anyways (laughs) georgia number one georgia took on the university of alabama birmingham not the roll not the roll tide crimson tide alabama nick saban no alabama birmingham i believe they are the dragons and that's a woof 49-21, Georgia beats them. Number two, Michigan, taking on Rutgers, unranked. Rutgers actually has like a kind of a, like a decent little squad. And 31 to seven, Michigan takes them down. Uh, Number three, Texas, plays Baylor, unranked Baylor, beats them 38 to six. Uh, The best game, I think, of the top four teams currently, or at least, coming into last weekend was Florida State, number four Florida State at Clemson. 3-0 Florida State, 2-1 Clemson. Uh, went into overtime, Florida State beats them by seven. Uh, and it was a tight game. It was a close game. I think at one point, Clemson led by, uh, I think it was at least 10, maybe, maybe even 14. Uh, Florida State, again, just looks just kind of shaky they don't look bad and jordan travis is a good quarterback they have great players and great weapons but man they are just skating by like barely getting through this schedule that they've had so far 
Um, I am curious to see if there's any other formidable opponents in their in their future. Uh, I mean, they always have that game at the end of the year against Florida, who is in the top 25. So like that'll be a good game. Uh, the remaining games on Florida State's schedule is um, two. There are two ranked opponents as of right now remaining on their schedule. Now, of course, those teams on their schedule could change and fall out of the top 25, but they play Florida State plays uh, Virginia Tech in two weeks. Syracuse, number 17 at the moment, number 17, Duke. At Wake Forest, at Pitt, number 18 at the moment, Miami. Uh, North Alabama, and then at Florida, number 22, Florida, right now. At Florida um, to end uh, to round out the season. So, if you're a Florida State fan, I wouldn't really be super concerned. I wouldn't be like freaking out about it. But still, man, like you just as a Florida State fan, you wish they were making these games more comfortable. But whatever. Uh, number five, USC played Arizona State, beat them 42 to 28. And then I played the audio there of that number six, Ohio State versus number nine, Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame. I mean, they. I gave out my play of the day on Friday. Uh, for those of you who don't know or don't follow on social media, please be sure to do so because I give out three plays of the day every weekend. A Thursday night play of the day a Saturday play of the day, and typically a Monday night play of the day. Those are all football plays, sports betting plays, for those of you who don't know. I gave out Notre Dame money line on Saturday night. So Notre Dame to win the game, and they were three-point underdogs. So there was some value there, and Notre Dame was at home, and I thought Sam Hartman was a dog, and I thought Kyle McCord, the quarterback for Ohio State, was a fraud, and I thought Ohio State were frauds. And they hadn't played anybody good, and they hadn't looked very good. Uh, but they stepped up, and they played really good football, at least uh, competitive enough football. Um, but for Notre Dame, for Notre Dame to lose that game at home against Ohio State, who I understand is a formidable opponent, but Notre Dame just absolutely pissed away any opportunity they had to make a big splash in the college football world, at least for 2023. They could be hanging around the top four by the end of it. And yes, the playoff is expanding to 12 next season. But as far as this season goes, that was a golden, golden opportunity for Notre Dame to take down a top, top seven team in Ohio State, remain undefeated at home, and then roll through the rest of their schedule and walk out as a number two seed into the college football playoff. Instead, they're somehow so unprepared that they're rolling out 10 defenders on the last two plays of the game. How, how does that happen, dude? How are we so unprepared in South Bend? And push comes to shove, and the it gets down to the nitty-gritty, smash-mouth, goal-line, end-of-the-game situation, and Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame rolls out 10 defenders on back-to-back -back plays at the goal line to end the game and they got lucky on the first one Ohio State's quarterback just threw a rocket to Marvin Harrison in the end zone incomplete 
Like you would think at that point, somebody in the Notre Dame program, in the booth, on the sideline, anywhere. My God, they have like 130 coaches on the sideline. Nobody was like, hey, well, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We're missing a guy. We're missing a guy. Run somebody on. Do something, dude. And not even, maybe like one play and, and the opponent's running a hurry up offense and all that stuff. And like, okay, you get caught with your pants down a little bit. But they had two plays and an opportunity to somehow catch that they don't have 11 guys. And they have defensive units. They practice this all fall during the summer. Here's what we're going to do in this situation. Here's the guys. Here's, here's the group that we're going to have on the field. And then, not only are their guys short, but Ohio State, with three seconds left, runs the ball off tackle out of the shotgun, and they punch it in over the goal line. Yes, by a very thin margin, but ultimately, looking at the defensive formation for Notre Dame, if they had a down lineman in that spot that was empty, who's to say Ohio State still scores a touchdown? In fact, I'd argue they probably wouldn't have. They probably wouldn't have ran the ball. Let's be honest. They wouldn't have ran the ball because they would have looked at the defensive alignment. They would have seen four down linemen, two linebackers overloaded on the left side. We can't run the ball over there. But they saw it. I guarantee there was people on Ohio State's sideline or the coaching staff with guys up in the booth. They got 10 dudes on the field. There's 10 dudes. There's no one on the left side. Run it, run it, run it. Boom. They win the game. Not to mention, not to mention, Ohio State as they get the ball back to go down the field and potentially score a game-winning touchdown, which they ended up doing. At one point, the Ohio State quarterback commits an intentional grounding penalty on a second and 10. So it's a spot foul, loss of down penalty. And it ended up being third and 19 from the 22-yard line for Ohio State. And Notre Dame puts out uh, the Charmin ultra soft coverage and just throws all the defenders 25 yards off the ball. And Kyle McCord at Ohio State just throws a, a fucking frozen rope to the receiver in the slot who just catches it uncontested with no contact at the three-yard line. What are we doing, Notre Dame? Like I said... Notre Dame had an opportunity to make massive waves in college football this season in 2023. Massive waves. And they blew it. I mean, they just blew it. That's no disrespect to Ohio State because Ohio State is a very good football team. Very good. They may be better than Notre Dame. I don't think they were. I think what happened is you have a, a program like Notre Dame that hasn't really been good or at least top five consideration good in a few years and a new head coach who's very young, who's very inexperienced, a coaching staff in general that's young and inexperienced and a big time situation that ultimately led to them just massively failing in the coaching department. I mean, playing 10, 15, 20 yards off the ball on third and 19 is insane. That's insane. To allow them to receive a pass 
at the first down marker on third and 19. And it's not like it went over the top of the defender. There was nobody there. All the DBs were in the end zone. And they tackled him short. Okay, great. Now you have two plays if you're Ohio State or on defense if you're Notre Dame. And they roll out 10 defenders. 10 defenders on the goal line. And they get lucky on the first play. But ultimately, they like to say, people like to say this is sports media. And I think it stands true for this game specifically. And I know it's cheesy, so don't hate me for it. But I think. Notre Dame lost and Ohio State. Yes, Ohio State came away victorious, but Ohio State didn't beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame beat themselves, right? Notre Dame lost the game. Ohio State didn't win it. And that makes sense. People get it. And people hear that a lot and are like, dude, what? What do you say? You get it. Notre Dame blew it, basically. They choked and they choked hard. And it sucks because you feel for a guy like Sam Hartman, who honestly, like, he played pretty well. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it was just it was just a kind of a low scoring. I mean, I mean, and that's fine. Like, that's football. But uh, yeah, man, Notre Dame just blew it. And now now you're looking at a situation. If you get down to the end of the college football season and you're between another team and Notre Dame and you're a member of the college football playoff committee. What my first thought process would be, oh, remember when Notre Dame just choked against Ohio State at home, gave up a 30-19 conversion with 15 seconds, and then put out two two back-to-back plays with 10 defenders on the field at the goal line? That's not one of the best four teams in the country if that's how they're handling big-time pressure situations. Like, there's no way. There's no way. They're not going to get the nod. They're not going to get the benefit of the doubt come college football playoff time or just general discussion about legitimate football programs. Because that right there is just being unprepared. That's what that is. And also just like folding in big time moments. Number seven, Penn State against number 24, Iowa. Um, Big Ten top 25 matchup, which was interesting. Number seven, Penn State. Number 24, Iowa. Iowa being ranked at 24. <laughs> Ugh. Didn't last long, brother. Penn State beats them 31 to nothing at home. Uh, pretty predictable. Uh, Penn State's a really good football team. Uh, Iowa is always fake in their in their legitimacy uh number eight washington takes on number uh, unranked cal at home and they beat them 59 to 32 so washington doesn't really play defense but michael Penix and the offense for washington just puts up video game numbers every single day every game they play and uh, that's how they're going to win this year. So Washington up to number eight, which is pretty good. Uh, I think if they play anybody with a legitimate defense, they will get smoked uh, because their defense is terrible. So uh, that brings us to the number 10 ranked team in the country in the Oregon Ducks. Oregon 
takes on Colorado. The Ducks and the Buffs. I'm not... How do I put this? Because I, I, I've been on Dion's sort of hype train, I guess, for a lot of this year. And I think what Dion's doing with college football, with his program, is good. What he's doing is, is beneficial. Okay. You look at that game, number 10, Oregon, hosting number 19, Colorado. Dion, I think, was a little bit more reserved this week than any of the other weeks he's coached so far. And he came in hot at Colorado. The press conferences, the, the first team meetings, all that stuff resonated and talked about, oh, I'm bringing my Louis luggage with me and all this stuff. And it's great. It was fine. I got no problem with it. And he was a little bit reserved, but he was like ready to go against TCU, beat him. Was pretty loud uh, in the weeks leading up to playing Nebraska because he knew they were a better team and they would beat him, and they did. And then he knew they were for sure a better team than Colorado State. So there was fighting words exchanged from both sides. Dion was very vocal. They hosted college game day. He was doing all the interviews on ESPN and, and CBS and 60 Minutes, like all kinds of stuff. He's going crazy. And then the tone from Dion and Colorado this week leading up to their matchup against Oregon was a lot different than it was in the weeks prior. He was a little bit more reserved. Uh, you know, the team meetings that he always shares, the videos on social media, it was not anywhere near the same level that it was against Colorado State because I think Dion knew that they had almost no chance to win the game against Oregon. I mean, CU has a lot of really talented uh, skill position players, and we've talked about this, but their offensive line, it, it's not good. Their defensive line is not good. Uh, their quarterback is great. Shador is a great quarterback, but not having Travis Hunter, I think if CU had Travis Hunter against Oregon, instead of 42-6, to six, it would have been 42-13 to 13 with a touchdown to Travis Hunter. Like, seriously, I don't think it really would have made any difference. Um, and Dion touched on it. He talked about it after the game. We need a better presence and better players on the offensive and defensive line because we're not going to compete until we have that. And everybody notices it. Everybody saw it. And it was fun to talk about it. Uh, but I also think it's, it's beneficial for everybody that Colorado gets a little bit of a reality check recognizes like, Hey, we have good players. We're a good team. We could potentially sneak back into the top 25 at some point, but we don't deserve to be anywhere higher than, than something in the twenties at best. And then now they're going to play USC and it's going to be the same. It's going to be the same result. It might be worse. I mean, now Colorado, they're going to go Oregon and USC. They're going to get smacked both times. And it's going to show people like you need offensive line presence. You need line of scrimmage presence overall on both sides of the ball. You can't just have star players and good athletes at the skill positions in a few spots and just win games. You can win games against 
bad programs, Nebraska, Colorado State, etc. But when you play a top 10 team like Oregon or like USC, you're going to get smoked if you don't and you can't match up with them on the line of scrimmage, offensively and defensively, both sides. You got to get after the quarterback and you got to protect your own quarterback. Otherwise, you will lose big every time. 42 to 6 big. And then I think anybody taking exception to the Oregon head coach going forward on fourth and goal with a huge lead, you have no idea anything about sports and especially about college football. You have no business to even provide an opinion in that situation if you're upset at all or even questioning the call of Dan Lanning and Oregon going for it on fourth and goal with a monster lead already because there's two sides of that and I love both of them number one take everything else out of it let's say college football playoff is 12 teams anyways and whatever Dan Lanning wants to send a message he knows everybody is watching the Colorado game Dion's got a ton of hype and for his own personal profile and also his team's profile, it increases their stock if they're able to not only beat Colorado, but beat them down relentlessly. And then one step further in that situation, in the realm of the college football playoff, it's, it's not just about wins and losses. It's also about margin of victory and how you look in the eye test and on the scoreboard to the college football playoff committee. And Oregon sits at number 10. They're going to, they're going to have to battle their way up into the top four. So if you're going to battle your way up there, you're going to have to be better than the teams above you in certain categories, like points scored, like point differential, like, you know, margin of victory, all those things. Uh, And ultimately they need to score as many points as they possibly can. So they are, they're going for it and they sent a message and they were able to do it and execute it in all facets of the game. And I think Dion handled himself very well, very respectfully. You know, he, he was owning up to the outcome of the game, talking about how they got embarrassed and uh, you know, they were, they got beat by a team that was much better than them. And that's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm good with all of it. Uh, I don't even think Dion took exception to them going for it on fourth and goal. But if you do, if anybody does, then you don't, you're not allowed to provide an opinion about college football because you don't understand. You just don't get it. You don't know ball, right? And uh, as this podcast happens to be titled, we know ball. So Oregon takes down Colorado big. Colorado drops out of the top 25, right? I think. AP top 25. We got to check it uh, and be sure about it. Uh, let me see here. Yeah. Colorado drops out. Yeah. Okay. We'll, and we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to uh, the full rankings as we finish up the scoreboard here. Number 11, Utah takes down uh, number 22, UCLA, 14 to 7. A little bit of a snoozer. Cam Rising, the quarterback for Utah, still is unable to play with this. He's coming back from an ACL, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but I think once they get Cam Rising back, I mean, Utah's a legit contender. Like, they're 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 a good team. Uh, number 12, LSU beats Arkansas at home by three points uh, on a walk-off field goal or go-ahead field goal late, whatever. Um, LSU stinks. Um, 
and that's no dis. I mean, like I, I'm an Alabama fan. We'll get to that game here in a minute, but um, yeah, they stink. I, I like LSU is is not is not a very good team. They have no. They're, they're not going to be a threat to anybody uh, for the national championship this year. And that's okay. But anybody who thinks they are, you don't know anything. Number thirteen, Alabama. My boys at Alabama, my bandwagon team, taking on number 15, Ole Miss. They beat them 24 to 10, uh, Alabama at home. Kind of starting, they just, I, I don't know what to make of it because I don't know how good Ole Miss actually is uh, or how good their quarterback is or like how good their line of scrimmage presence is. I know Lane Kiffin is a good coach. Um, that doesn't change anything for me because Alabama was at home. Jackson Dart, the quarterback for Ole Miss, like he looked just very mid. Uh, but for a team like Ole Miss, who's scored a good a good amount of points this year to be held to ten in the whole game, that's promising. If you're an Alabama fan like myself, scoring twenty four. Also promising, uh, but they only scored six in the first half of the game. They were down seven to six at halftime. And um, I think it took Jalen Milrow, the Alabama quarterback, it took him a little bit more time uh, to really get settled into the game, but he executed some better throws. He had a really ugly interception in the first half of that game in the red zone, in the, in the end zone. He threw a, a lobbing jump ball into double coverage and it just was like the easiest interception in mankind and it was it was ugly and it pissed me off when i was watching so i was like dude come on like that's there's no way you should have ever thrown that ball but to his credit uh he was able to kind of clean it up a little bit he executed a really well thrown deep ball later in the game taking a big hit uh he paid the price for it and and threw a beautiful deep ball for a touchdown. So my point is Alabama at 13, they improved. Uh, they looked better this week. I think maybe the best of all the weeks so far uh, through the first four weeks. I mean, they looked like a, a definitely a better team than the team that played against Texas. And uh, you know, I think for Alabama, that one loss to Texas, it's, it's one of the better losses of all the losses on the board so far in the top 25. And not just because the opponent they lost to was good, but um, it's a non-conference loss. And so, you know, I know they got kind of beat up pretty good, but it was early. Um, you know, I just, I don't know. It's hard because that Notre Dame loss to Ohio State's probably the best loss of all of them. Uh, but the second best loss is probably Alabama losing to Texas. So, for Alabama, it's all right in front of them. I mean, they can, they can, they play LSU, they play uh, Tennessee. Like, if you beat those teams, all the both of those games are at home. Uh, they play, you know, Auburn every year in the Iron Bowl to end the season. If they run the table the rest of the way and are able to pull off victories all the way through, they're going to match up against Georgia in the SEC championship, and that right there is in front of you. You can keep Georgia off the board enough offensively keep the game tight and close and beat them in the SEC championship, you are in the top four. Like, you are a top four team with one loss, right? So, we'll see. We'll see what happens. 
Number 14, Oregon State loses to number 21, Washington State at Washington State. Uh, yeah, number 14, Oregon State. I mean, I've watched him play a few times this year. Had some money on him, actually, in one game for fun. DJ Uyunglele, the quarterback, came over from uh, Clemson. Yeah. Um, I mean, Oregon State, just your classic, like, oh, we got a good quarterback and some offensive weapons, and then comes time to play defense, and you give up 38 points to Washington State. Like, snooze fest, worthless team, not going to be even remotely a threat the remainder of the way. Number 16, Oklahoma beats Cincinnati 20-6. Number 17, North Carolina beats Pitt 41-24. Number 18, Duke beats UConn 20. Number 20, uh, Miami beats Temple 41-7. Number 23, Tennessee beats University of Texas San Antonio 45-14. And Florida, number 25, beats Charlotte. So that was pretty much it. Um, As far as shifts go in the AP poll, which is not the most important thing, but at least at this point in the year, that's all we have as far as rankings are concerned. Georgia stays one. Michigan stays two. Texas stays three. Ohio State jumps from six to four. Florida State drops from four to five. Penn State moves up to six. Washington moves up to seven. USC drops three places down to number eight. Oregon drop jumps from uh, number 10 to number nine with that win over Colorado. Utah goes up to 10. Notre Dame drops from nine to number 11. And uh, Alabama jumps from 13 to 12. So, Going through number 12 at Alabama, you got Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Texas 3, Ohio State 4, Florida State 5, Penn State 6, Washington 7, USC 8, Oregon 9, Utah at 10, Notre Dame at 11, and Alabama at 12. Then you have LSU at 13, Oklahoma, North Carolina, Washington State jumps 5 spots, big win over Oregon State. Uh, Oregon State drops five spots. And then Duke 17, Miami 18, Oregon State 19. Ole Miss drops from 15 to 20. Uh, so they're at number 20. Tennessee's at 21. Florida's at number 22. Missouri's at 23. Kansas is at 24. And Fresno State is at 25. You know, 4-0 Fresno State Bulldogs. Good for them. Um, yeah, that wraps up the college football slate and scoreboard looking forward towards next week's slate and scoreboard of week five um i don't uh, let's see top 25 matchups number three texas hosting number 24 kansas Ole miss and lsu should be a decent football game notre dame and duke should be decent those are the ranked matchups at this point um And then, I mean, other than that, there's not really any spreads that are super close. Um, Well, actually, Kentucky's 4-0 hosting Florida. Kentucky is unranked. Florida is ranked 22nd. And Kentucky, unranked, is favored by three over Florida. Very interesting. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, I, I mean, the other tight, yeah, tight spreads, LSU Ole Miss. 
Notre Dame's by six. Yeah, and that's it. The bye weeks uh, have kicked in. So, like, uh, yeah, Florida State, I think, has a bye. Uh, Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's starting to kick in. You'll see some teams moving forward. Like, oh, where is the, and it's like, oh, they have a a bye, which is interesting. Um, Oh, Friday, Utah and Oregon State. That should be a good game. Um, Yeah, should be good at Oregon State. So, moving on to the NFL. All right, starting Thursday, 49ers, Giants. 49ers just smashed the Giants. And yeah, it was 30 to 12, but the the 49ers are a juggernaut. They're insane. Um 49ers are are gonna be in the mix. Um, kind of a similar situation, I feel like, to like the Braves in in baseball this year, where it's like, yeah, just go ahead and put the 49ers in their conference championship game. Like, just put them at just let's save everybody some time. Pending any, of course, knock on wood, not wishing for it. Please hope it doesn't happen. Injuries. 49ers should be uh in a good spot. This should be in a good spot. Come season's end uh, and come playoff time. Like I said, similar to the Braves where it's like, yeah, just go ahead and give them, put them in that series or game or situation where it's play to go to the, the championship because that's where they're going to be. Um, Browns, and ta- uh, Browns and Titans in Cleveland. Cleveland Browns beat the Titans 27 to three. Um, yeah, I mean, the Titans, man, if you don't have a good quarterback, you're not going to be a good team. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is not a good quarterback. Uh, the Titans don't play good enough defense to keep themselves, um, you know, super tight and relevant. Uh, they run the ball. They're a smash-mouth, low-scoring team. If the score for the opponent, the Titans, stays under 20, Tennessee's going to win. If it goes over 20, Tennessee's going to lose. Uh, clean it up. Seriously, because they... It sucks. You got Derrick Henry and you got like good players on that team. Uh, but that's like the exact reason why uh, you, you see a guy like AJ Brown is like, get me out of here. I don't want to be here. I'm a receiver. I'm an offensive weapon on a team that is coached and designed to be not an offensive weapon and, and to just be a low scoring team and keep games tight and close. Um, so yeah, I mean, Tennessee, you know, that team, it's like, they always just, find a way the nine and eight, you know, it's, I just don't really see that with them this year. Uh, I, I see Tennessee kind of, I don't know. I guess they're looking a lot like a seven and 10, six and 11 type team. That's what they look like right now. Um, Browns look good. I don't know yet. I don't, I don't know what the Browns, I don't know what their deal is. I don't know if they're a bad team. I don't know if they're a good team. I, I don't know. I mean, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson has looked fine for the most part uh i don't know what that means necessarily for like the future of the browns as i try to get my camera in focus here real quick geez louise uh yeah the browns and deshaun watson right it's like is he a good quarterback is he ever going to get back to the same level that he was at previously 
because you see him make some throws and do some stuff, and you're like, dude, that's ugly. And they looked horrible on offense against uh, Pittsburgh last weekend, or last week on Monday Night Football. And then you even saw a play in that game against Tennessee where Deshaun Watson drops back, gets pressure. He's wrapped up by a defender, sees his running back behind him, and just, like, throws the ball at him. <laughs> uh, backwards pass, like, really bad. Really, really, really bad play. Uh, luckily the, for Deshaun Watson, the Browns running back picked it up and recovered it and took a loss or whatever. But it was like, whoa, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Interesting decision-making from Deshaun Watson early on this season. That's the main point. If he's able to clean that up, I mean, I guess the Browns are playing some really good defense, and how could they not with Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney and a lot of other guys, Denzel Ward. Anyways, you get the point. Uh, Browns are 2-1. and one. Okay, that's fine. Lions played the Falcons. Falcons were 2-0 and oh and got exposed. Lions beat them 20-6. Falcons aren't a very good team. Desmond Ritter is not a very good quarterback. Falcons are going to be, again, similar to Tennessee, could find themselves 7-10, and 6-11. That's fine, but it's not good. Saints and Packers. Saints were 2-0. and Again, also got a little bit exposed in terms of, I mean, I think the Saints are solid. Derek Carr got hurt. I don't know the, I think it was an AC joint in his shoulder is what I remember hearing. So they'll be fine like whatever uh but the packers were one and one at home jordan love comes scores 18 points in the fourth quarter and they win 18 to 17 like that's that's tough and gritty that is tough and gritty um but uh yeah, i think the packers will be around nine and eight this year they'll probably flirt with the postseason they probably will get in and have a tough time with the young quarterback and stuff but if they get aaron jones and christian watson like back i mean christian watson hello uh like just play like are you healthy can you play like hello um chargers and vikings okay the battle of who can choke harder the battle of who can underachieve more like what is that game And the Vikings being 0-3, um, they have no business being an 0-3 football team. But what I think what's happened so far this year with the Vikings is water finding its level. And what I mean by that is the Vikings last year, in one possession uh, close games, everything seemed to go their way. I don't know exactly uh, how that continued to happen for them last year, but they won almost every one possession game they played in last year. And that's not a realistic or sustainable way uh, to win games in the NFL. Now, you, you don't have to go out. Everybody's going to lose. Everyone's going to have an off day. Whatever. I get it. And yeah, you know, that does show signs of resiliency and putting yourself in the right situation. You know, it's a kick a go ahead field goal or whatever. But ultimately, in one possession, three-point games, whatever, it does involve a little bit of luck. And last year, the Vikings must have just had all the luck because they were unstoppable in one possession games and closed tight three-point games. This year, 
they are 0-3. And, and they're all one-possession decisions. So my point is, the Vikings' luck that they dealt with last year ran out and is bone dry in 2023. So if you're the Vikings and you're a Vikings fan, you're going to need to see uh, games and decisions and situations where if you're a Vikings team, you're on offense, you're already up by 10 points, you need to go down and score more. You need to make it 17. You need to make it 24. You need to pile on, pile on, because clearly this season, the Vikings don't have that three-point, one-possession game luck like they did last year. Um, the Chargers also just like mid as hell. Mid as hell. That game, to me, with the Chargers and the Vikings. I mean, the Vikings is just like every other time they touch the ball, they fumble. And yet, they still score 24. Uh, Chargers, on the flip side of that, the Chargers are always going to Charger. Every year, they will do exactly what they do, which is underperform, lose a couple guys here and there, slowly dwindle away, and ultimately never come close to winning a Super Bowl. They play the Vikings. It's the battle of mid. It's who can choke harder to blow the game. That's the Charger specialty. Turns out to be what the Vikings have been doing this season so far. Who can choke worse? Chargers come away with the victory. They battle it out. They grind 28 to 24. Probably should have lost. Vikings just like historically horrendous clock management at the end of that game. And yet the Chargers come away victorious. They win the game. And Mike Williams tears his ACL and he's done for the year. Like, that's it, man. That's, I mean, I know the Chargers have like other good players. Um, but for the Chargers, it's like you could, they can never, ever come away just scot free. They can never just win a game, tight, close, battle, grind, and no one gets hurt or, or anything. Like, it's always, there's always something with the Chargers, dude. It's always something. Always. Every time. It's always something. And in this case, it's like, man, they battle, they grind, they beat the Vikings. And their potentially best receiver between him and Keenan Allen. ACL done for the year. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Patriots beat the Jets 15 to 10 in New York. Uh, again, very much a, a uh, battle of mid in that situation, right? Uh, Patriots are going to be a non-factor and not a threat. Jets as well. Unless Aaron Rodgers somehow comes back and they manage to squeak in the playoffs. But un unlikely. Bills played the Commanders. Commanders uh, got exposed. 37-3. Bills killed them. Bills are a much better football team. Commanders ultimately have gotten lucky. They played a really bad team in the Cardinals and a really bad team in the Broncos. And then they played a real team like the Bills with a good defense and a really high-powered offense, and the rest is history. Houston Texans beat the Jacksonville Jag Jaguars 37-17. to uh, a little bit of some fluke stuff going on there. There was a kick return for a touchdown for the Texans by their uh, up man, not their return man, but it was their number 
46 or whatever. Like, I think it was Andrew Beck, their fullback on the kick return. Designed, he's supposed to be a blocker. Kick came up short. He fielded it and just housed it like fluky. But Jacksonville needs to clean it up. Big time needs to clean it up. Uh, like I can understand losing to the Chiefs, but losing to the Texans at home—that's not what good teams do. That's what bad teams do. Um, and that's—it's not the end of the world. Uh. But I think the Jags need to clean it up big time. Trevor Lawrence has not looked great. Their defense has not looked great. Uh, ultimately, I think the Jags will be okay. But we dropped to one and three over there in Jacksonville. One and four. Look out, dude. Jags might be out of there. Also a horrendous division. So I think the Jags will be okay. But yeah. Colts and Ravens. Uh, the Ravens, man, the Ravens, the Ravens, the Ravens. It's like every year, every season, dude. It's like, I'm like, are the Ravens good or are they not good? Like they're two and oh, they're at home. They're looking like, yeah, they might be a pretty darn good team. Lamar Jackson's healthy. Mark Andrews is playing tight end for them. I know they lose their running back, but it's like, they might be pretty darn good. And then they play the Colts and Gardner Minshew at home. And the Colts just beat them in overtime. 22 to 19. Like, what is that? What is that about? What are we doing? How is that happening? Why, Ravens, why did you lose that game? Like, I understand everyone's not going to go 16 and 0. But it's like, what is going on? Seahawks played the Panthers. They beat them 37 to 27. Uh, Seahawks struggled a little bit early on offensively. 12 points the first two quarters. Didn't even have a field goal in the first or a touchdown in the first half. Put up 25 in the second half. 37-27. Um, looked a little bit better. Uh, Panthers didn't have Bryce Young, but Andy Dalton looked pretty darn good. I mean, he looked he looked decent. I know he backed up Bryce Young. Um, yeah, interesting. Bears and Chiefs, we'll get to that. <sighs> Cardinals beat the Cowboys 28-16. to 16. Every year, the Cowboys get a ton of hype. They have a lot of talented players. They got a great stadium. They got a good owner who's obviously very involved. Dak Prescott at times has flashes of top seven, top five quarterback play. The Cowboys also are always seemingly the butt of the joke. Oh, they always lose or like, oh, they, you know, they choke or they're never actually good and all this stuff. You know, 
I, I've always felt like that was a little harsh for the Cowboys. Like, oh, dude, like, they're a really good team. Like, they're a really valuable franchise. They always have a winning record. Yeah, you know, they, they don't end up, like, winning the Super Bowl, but a lot of times they just get bested by the better team. But that's not true anymore. I mean, the way, the way that the Cowboys lose in the playoffs, in the regular season, it's never like, oh, battle, grind, better team, or, you know, close game, they play Kansas City, and then, like, oh, they lose on a field goal. And it's like, oh, man, you know. Like, they go out 2-0 after looking great and just lose to Josh Dobbs and the Cardinals. Like, you guys are doing this to yourself. How embarrassing. Or the decision a few years back in the playoffs with like nine seconds to run a QB draw with Dak Prescott. And like, yeah, you know, they still needed a Hail Mary and blah, 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 blah. But it's like the way, the way that they lose is unlike any other team in the NFL. You got teams like the Chargers or Minnesota or whoever, where they just historically like underperform, right? Or, or lose by three or whatever. But they don't just get like embarrassed by the worst team in the NFL. And that's what the Cowboys just do it to themselves. They're just. They're always the butt of the joke because they they just. Choke, I don't don't know what else to say, like they just get embarrassed. I mean, you look at the box score that game leading passer Dak Prescott leading rusher Tony Pollard. I mean, Prescott 250 and a touchdown Pollard 122 yards on the ground. Michael Gallup six for 92. And they lose 28 to 16. Like it was like. They just lose. And I know it's the NFL and I know losses happen. You're not going to have your best stuff every game. I get it. But I mean, come on, dude. Cowboys like, dude, you can't just you're going to show up that flat. That's why people make fun of the Cowboys. That's why the Cowboys never get the respect that they think they deserve. And a lot of times respect guys like me give them. Outsiders who are just fan of the NFL see a talented team like the Cowboys and go, how could they not get respect? Look at that roster. And then they get embarrassed by the Cardinals. And I'm like, uh, I never said they were going to be good. What? Like, because they just embarrass themselves. It's nobody doing it to them but themselves. And then, yeah. It's, and then you got Jerry Jones, and it's just like, oh, God. You know? It's like the Cowboys, they do it to themselves. They lose to the Cardinals, or they lose on poor decision-making in the postseason to a team that they should have beat, whatever the case may be. And then it's like, oh, everyone's making fun of them. Ha, ha, ha. Then Jerry Jones comes out. He's like, we can't be losing these games. We can't be doing... It's like when you... When you... uh, When you... Let's see. Something like at home. It's like when you're playing sports as a kid, you play a terrible game, and then you get in the car afterwards, and your your parents are just chewing you out. Like, oh, come on. We drove all the way out here. We're paying all this money for you to be doing this, and this is what you do? This is what, It's like, guys, okay, okay, I know. I know. Okay. Right? Like, if you're a Cowboys player, you're like, dude, it's like I'm almost just as as upset about the loss as I am about what kind of bullshit we're going to have to hear from Jerry Jones after the game. Seriously. Like what other owner in the NFL comes out and is like, 
oh, we can't be doing this and like our decision made. What other owner has press conferences after games? None, zero. That's the answer, except for Jerry Jones. And that just adds to the Cowboys just like hysteria and like reality TV show that that team is where it's like they look good. They finally seem like they're, they're dialed in, maybe handling things at a, like a higher professional level. Then they lose to the Cardinals. And I get it. I get it. I get it. Teams lose. Things happen. It's the NFL. Totally understand. But you can't lose to the Cardinals. You just can't. You just can't for the Cowboys. Cannot happen. Sunday Night Football, Steelers and Raiders. Steelers beat the Raiders 23-18. to After the game, J.J. Watt is asked about the environment in Las Vegas and how many Steelers fans there were and how he felt like it was a home game. Um, Raiders didn't look great, uh, but you've got Jimmy G throwing three picks. Um, you know, Steelers defense stepped up. They have a very good defense. Uh, you know, it, it was kind of the battle again of like mid offenses and the Steelers just have a better defense, kind of how it ended up folding out. Another note here that I wrote down about this game that I've always felt true, I felt strongly about. I know the NFL is all about money. I know, uh, let me put it this way. If there is an NFL team playing a home game and their offense and their quarterback has to operate with a silent snap count because the fans are too loud in their home stadium, that team shouldn't be playing in that city. That's a fact. I don't care if you disagree with me. I don't care if you're like, oh, the Raiders are dope in Vegas. The Chargers are dope in LA. No, they're not. It's not cool. It's cool for the opposing fans. It's cool for people to fly out from Pittsburgh to go watch the Raiders and and Steelers in Las Vegas. That's a fun trip. But you know what that sucks for? The home players. That sucks. That's embarrassing. Clearly, that city does not deserve to have an NFL team. Fact. That's half of the the spectacle of NFL games and sports. Like a, a team that's not as good as the Chargers or the Raiders that has a better home field advantage might be more successful because of that factor. How is that fair to guys on the Raiders and the Chargers that have to go on a silent snap count at home. If you have to go on a silent snap count at home, the team shouldn't be in that city. That's just how it is. And I know the NFL is all about money and it's better for the team to be in Vegas than it is in Oakland. And it's better for the chargers to be in LA than it is in San Diego. And I know Vegas is, is a vacation spot. Anyways, I get it. But That's just not, that's just not how it should be, man. And it's one thing if like one team coming to Vegas has just the craziest fans ever. And like, they always, you know, travel well on the road, but that's not the case. The, the reality is every Raiders game in Las Vegas 
is at least, at least 40% opposing fans, usually more. Same exact thing could be said for opposing fans in Los Angeles and the Chargers. So here's the solution. Move the damn teams to a city and a fan base that would appreciate them a lot more than the transient Las Vegas fans where in a city where like the residents could care less, to be honest. Same with LA. How many more sports teams do they need in LA? How many more NFL teams do they need? They already had an NFL team. That's just my opinion. I think it's lame. Lame when I'm watching it on TV and you see the quarterback having to run a silent snap count at home because the NFL just wants money. That's what it comes down to. Jimmy G has got to <laughs> scream the plays into this team in the huddle because Roger Goodell doesn't care about anything except money. That's what it is. Anybody who disagrees, you don't know anything about economics or football. Last thing, man. Chiefs and Bears, 41 to 10, Chiefs beat them. How do I put this? Um, try to find the words here, guys, because I just don't, I don't want to be a dick, but also it's, uh, actually, you know what? No, no. You know what? This is not, I, I was prepared to get pissed at Taylor Swift and chew her out and be like get out of here this is our sport this is our stuff this is football but that's not this whole taylor swift travis kelsey situation that's not on her this is on travis kelsey let me tell you this travis if you're listening to this or anybody else why why are you doing this why are you doing this to us because we had one thing dude we had one uh, we had one thing dude football sports Guys have sports and football. Girls have Taylor Swift and girl stuff and girl items. And you are allowing now the storylines of the NFL. I mean, could they have posted about it more on social media? Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, look at them. After the game and Swift with their mom. And it's like, dude, Travis, why, why are you doing this? I mean, the only legitimate answer I'd be prepared to hear from Travis Kelsey is like, oh, I love her. I love Taylor. We're going to get married forever and have eternal love. But we know that ain't true. I, I got an over under of. Thanksgiving for this whole Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift thing to be done and over with. No, how could you say that? Taylor Swift is so cool. She is such a good singer. Uh, track record. That's how. 
Like Travis, do you really need to be in a relationship with Taylor Swift? Really? Really? Maybe they're both the best people in the world and they will have eternal love forever. Mm, but I highly doubt it. And so in that case, Travis, you are letting Taylor Swift and the Swifties hijack now NFL Sundays. I got nothing against the Swifties. I don't want anybody coming after me, but not necessary, Travis. Let's, I mean, like what? Just, I don't know, dude, whatever, I, whatever. You know, it's just like, I mean, I go down the highlight sheets of all the NFL games and it's like, look at this touchdown pass. Look at this touchdown run. Look at this interception. What's the number one highlight in the package of the Chiefs game this past weekend? Travis Kelsey scores a touchdown while Taylor Swift celebrates in the booth. Come on, brother. Come on, brother. Travis, you can't let you can't let these you can't let this happen to us as football fans. I got nothing against the Swifties or Taylor Swift. She's talented, she's a great businesswoman. I get it. Great. But I am going to develop an ulcer if I have to see any more of Taylor Swift at Travis Kelsey's games. I don't care if you guys go out. I don't care. Everyone be happy. Great. Awesome. Holy cow. ESPN, Fox, CBS. I mean, at this point, you just might as well, during Chiefs games, if Taylor Swift is there, at this point, set up an alternative broadcast and have a split screen of the game on the left and Taylor Swift in the booth on the right. Because that's basically what it turned to yesterday at the Chiefs game. It was just Taylor Swift after every single play. And that's fine. Again, that's fine. I, <laughs> dude. Uh, Taylor Swift is just. I mean, are we sure that these other politicians or people like actually run this country? If I was an alien from another planet and I came down and just spectated the United States for a week, I. I'd be inclined to believe that Taylor Swift ran the United States if I was a, an alien from another galaxy and I watched the United States for, for a week. She's got girls, hook, line, and sinker. She's now got guys, hook, line, and sinker. One of the best... Athletes in the world just can't resist. So she's now not only on my fiance's TikTok 24-7, now she's on my TikTok. It's like the, the textbook route for just world domination, Taylor Swift. So if this whole Kelsey and Taylor Swift thing is just kind of a PR thing or whatever, it ends up being a publicity thing, which I don't think it is, but if it is, I mean, Taylor Swift, could she be a better 
PR and marketing executor in American history. How did they? She dominated this whole summer, 2023, the summer of the year of 2023, but especially the summer of 2023 was uh, Era's tour. That was it. I mean, there was nothing else going on. And now that the Eras tour, at least in the U.S., is is winding down, she's taking over the NFL. She's taking over the NFL. Like it's the NFL is like now today this week. It's uh, Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Taylor Swift. That's it. And Kelsey. And I, I got nothing against Travis either. I got nothing against Travis. Honestly, my biggest concern in this entire Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift situation is that I have Travis Kelsey in a couple fantasy leagues. And not if, but when that dude's heart gets smashed into a million pieces. Oh, well, I guess the concern could potentially turn into motivation. And then he's just putting up monster numbers for my fantasy team. That's a possibility. But I feel like more than likely when he gets his heart broken in November. Because Taylor's messing around over here doing this and that. All of a sudden guys going to be dropping balls. Going to be running routes at half speed because his mind's going to be elsewhere, man. He's going to be. He's going to be in this other realm of just enchantment, right? But I think, I think to avoid all conflict moving forward, right? Because the last thing I want to deal with is my fiance or any other girl, honestly, coming in on Sunday. Where's Taylor? Where's Taylor? I, w- I hope moving forward, I can be like, actually, grab the other TV, flip it to, you know, this channel, and they got the uh, Taylor feed, and it's the feed of the game, and then the other cameras on Taylor Swift the entire time. So you can sit, you can watch that. I am going to be over here watching the football game, because that's what this is about. This is football. This is the NFL, the National Football League not the National Football Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey League of America Association Incorporated. I'm fine with it. Be happy, Travis and Taylor. It's great. I don't wish sadness upon anybody, but I would like to watch football in peace and watch football. I don't want to watch the Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, Donna Kelsey, Kansas City Chiefs show on ESPN, on red zone and everywhere else let's set up an alternative broadcast quick and easy solution and i can keep my football on the screen and not have to worry about taylor swift or donna kelsey being shown after every first down every first down so let's do it and my hopes are travis don't get too deep brother don't get too deep travis because I know I'm going to need you in the fantasy playoffs in December at some point. And brother, if you get smashed into pieces, I know you could probably handle it, but I can't have that affecting 
the touchdown per game that you're cranking out for my fantasy team. I can't have it. I cannot have it. I'm going to need you to stay locked in. So either stay steady with her, right? Take it slow. Looks like you're kind of playing the long game already, which I like that approach. I do. But let's make sure it doesn't affect uh, my $100 buy-in fantasy league. And if it doesn't, great. But if we're dropping balls in December because uh, tabloids are showing that T-Swizz was out to dinner with Joe Jonas again, like, come on, brother. Let's just, let's, let's make sure, right? Let's, let's keep, let's calibrate. Let's calibrate, Travis. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. And I'd ask the same thing of the NFL and the sports media companies, ESPN, Red Zone, et cetera. Let's calibrate. You can show her at the game once in the first half and i'll give you even one in the second half and if kelsey gets three touchdowns all right let's take a look up in the booth right because they always they show family members a lot of times anyways okay great yeah but if we go uh six yard out route out of bounds on first down we don't i i don't need the i don't need the swift cam i'm good thank you i'm good she's only already dominated oh uh everything everywhere all the time forever so let's just take her as a secondary and then we could do that alternative broadcast i talked about where you got uh on on the regular channel you got the football game and then the alternative channel you got split screen of the game and the kelsey uh, the the swifty cam well yeah it's the kelsey and swift cam you got the mama kelsey and taylor swift on one side the game on the other flip that on for your girlfriend fiance mom whatever we're all good throw that on in the kitchen main tv i'm gonna keep this on the broadcast let's keep the swift cam appearances to a minimum if we can all right all right agreed either way guys appreciate you guys tuning into episode 64 of the uh we know ball podcast greatly appreciate it you guys are goaded um i can't tell Um, okay. Either way, appreciate you guys tuning into episode 64 of the We Know Ball podcast. Love all you guys if you are tuning in. If you are not following on social media, please be sure to do so. If you want, no pressure, at We Know Ball Sports, Instagram and TikTok. My handle on Twitter is at Ryan Knows Ball. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, greatly appreciate it. Episode 64 in the books. We'll catch you guys potentially later this week. Probably same time next week because we love you guys. We want to be consistent with the timing and then throw in some bonus episodes if necessary. So appreciate it. Catch you guys on episode 65, believe it or not, of the We Know Ball podcast. Adios.